This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. It's me. Hello. I can hear myself. Yay. What's going on, everybody? How are you? Steve Olsher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goodley. Hello, Mary Goodley. Hello. Richie O'Che. What's up, baby? Hello, Steve. Hi, oh, man. man. Another beautiful day here in San Diego, and uh, it's going to be a beautiful day hanging out with Dale today as well. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Thank Dale you. Halloway is here and joining us here in the studio. Good to have you there, my friend. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. And uh, wow, just so much going on, and I uh, really do appreciate all the folks that have been tuning in to Reinvention Radio and sharing this with their with your folks and uh she told two friends and he told two friends and so on and so on and so on it's just like the big shampoo commercial now right i'm showing my age here uh-huh. i'd say that to my kids all the time and i don't know it's like one of those things that gets stuck in my head and they're like what are you talking about dad so do you do you know winston tastes good like a Ooh, i don't know that one uh, what is that one it? winston should Winston's- like a cigarette should like you knew that one way that you know. wait yeah way's not is that he knew that one that is news by me. All right, so uh, <laughs> so much, so much to go to cover, and uh, and I want to just jump straight into it because uh, we appreciate you coming into the studio with us here today, and uh, you're just doing. I mean, look, you are up to a lot of amazing things. You uh, you help a lot of people, and for you to to hang out with us here today, uh, Dale is is very much appreciated. So why don't we take folks back through? Uh, a little bit uh, on the backstory, and then give uh, you know everybody an understanding uh, of the the really powerful work that you're doing today, mm, and sure. you, and your self and your and your journey of self healing, and you know everything else. I mean, and you have some stories to swap on that, but just give folks an understanding of where you came from and where you are today, and then let's go from there. Well, I've been uh, an entrepreneur. Most I, actually, I was a born an entrepreneur at the age of six. You know, I started off with my own Kool Aid stand. Mm-hmm. I suppose what makes me a little unique in in this way, because a lot of people have had their own Kool Aid stand, is by the age of seven, I found a, found out a way of how to franchise it to my friends. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> cool. I did, yes. And so, and at the age of twelve, something else happened. At the age of fourteen, and so on. And so, um, and at some point in the earlier part of this life, I started teaching. I started giving seminars, coaching programs. I started off as a personal development trainer and became very skilled as a trainer for a period of about maybe 10 years. And that moved me into more a transformational teacher, transformational healing. And then eventually I landed in a place of more spiritual healing. And so things were going really well. I do seminars all over, actually all around the world, mm-hmm. and seminars range anywhere from a couple days to as long as 10 days. So they're pretty deep, they're wow. very advanced, they're very powerful. People uh, uh, are able to experience all kinds of changes from the inside out. So everything appeared to be going pretty well, um, and uh, one day I get this message from that of, if you will, my own higher self or from the, or from the divine that I'm to take time off, I'm to take a sabbatical. Um, bottom line is I didn't listen. About a year and a half later, I find myself on the highway uh, in a major car crash, a uh, three-car pileup that left me dead in the ambulance that night, and uh, where I literally stopped breathing for about 90 seconds. Um, and then when I regained consciousness, I was banged up bad. Yeah. Uh, the right side of my body had become completely dysfunctional. Uh, they wanted to do a couple different surgeries. Uh, my coccyx was fractured. Ouch. Uh, yeah, mm. big-time ouch. Um, and, uh, so, you know, there I was, and even this is a few months after the accident, 
Uh, now they realize they really need to do surgeries, put me on medication because now I've got a sleep disorder. Um, I'd be walking down the hallway and just without notice, I'd collapse to my knees. The pain was just mm. so excruciating. And of course, at the time, we didn't know exactly what, what all the damage was inside. So they ran me through a battery test and and the bottom line is I had nerve damage or nerve severage in three different parts of my body where the mm. nerves had been splintered. And um, I had internal chest bleeding, minor pectoral syndrome. Uh, my coccyx was banged up. And, I mean, I couldn't sit like how, mm, yeah. how we're sitting here in the studio right now. I mean, I couldn't do this for longer than three or four minutes. And the pain would just shoot up my spine like a burning inferno. Yikes. And so... Uh, anyhow, I decided at that point, because I, uh, long ago, I had my own experience with the medical profession going down that path. I've had a number of different surgeries and almost died a couple of times in the hospital many, many years ago. And I vowed at that point that I would, that was not my path anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the whole medical thing, and not, I'm not saying that for some people it's, it's t- t- totally right for them, but for me, I came to that place where it was no longer right. And um, so anyhow, so here I am again. And now they want to do these surgeries. They want to put me on all these medications. I'm laying on the bed. And I just said, sorry, I'm not going to do this. I gracefully declined. They got upset. Um, and so, you know, you sign off all the papers and so on and so forth. And I literally crawled uh, out of the hospital yeah. uh, to my car. And um, at that point, I had resolved with inside of myself, one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to die because they had told me that there's just no way, like within a year and a half, they told me I'd be crippled into a wheelchair and, you know, because of the, you know, because of the inner condition that was going on inside, and um, well, they were right about that part. A year and a half later, I was in bad shape. Mm-hmm. I mean, my skin was turning a different color. I developed a sleep disorder. Uh, I was in constant pain. Of course, I wasn't using any medication, so I was. Rem- I chose to remain conscious through this whole thing, and um, but about a year and a half later, I struck my first turning point, my first significant turning point, where I, I got my first victory. Because my, my options that I had come to, I was either going to die or I was going to learn how to heal myself naturally. That's really what it yeah. – that was the fork in the road for me. And because I had been down that road before, it was kind of an easy decision for me to make. And so, but Do you I have any support system at this? I mean, like, are there, are, there, are, there, are there people around you? I mean, you crawl yourself Were out you of the hospital. Like, no. married kids, nothing? Like no, mom, I, dad, I, cousins, no, uncles? Uh, no, I had a girlfriend uh, at the time. Uh, she was there in the car accident that night, and um, uh, but no, I, um, I did, nobody understood what I was going through, and if anything, everybody thought that I should take the medical route because it, it was a it was a serious well, situation. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and and if anything, they were scared, uh, you know, sure. and they were scared for me, and possibly for themselves that you know it looked like you know they might lose me kind of mm-hmm. thing. So I it was really kind of a lonely path uh, because of that, and so but I was determined. I just I, I knew inside that. I'm either going to figure out a way of how to heal naturally, uh, or I am going to die. And so, were I, you during that during that year and a half when you were getting progressively worse? Were you trying to do that self healing then, and were and were getting worse, or did you at the end of that year and a half said, "Oh man, I got to start doing the self healing stuff"? I was doing actually. I was doing two things. I was doing work that I knew how to do to help ease everything and to help basically me be able to survive through this. Uh, but the other piece was I was looking for, if you will, my healing team. Mm. People that really would have my back, would really understand what I was going through, and was willing to take it on with me uh, so that we could get 
some real good healing. Different modalities yes. for different people. Yeah, more natural. Well, not more natural, but definitely natural modalities. And so, and that took about a year and a half for the first two people to materialize in my life. And when they did, and then we had this experience together, they put me into a session that lasted for like three, four hours that afternoon, or actually that morning. And I mean, I screamed. I just screamed because the pain was just so, so intense. And, uh, but on the other side of it, uh, one of the things that was happening up until then, I became so terrified of doing something as simple as having a sneeze. Because oh, sure. for me, when I sneezed, I mean, it felt like everything was breaking inside. Mm-hmm. And so now my resistance was so strong around trying to protect myself from every time you get those sniffles and you feel it's coming on. I mean, I was doing all kinds of things to stop so that from happening. It, let, me, let me just take a step back here so yeah. I'm not clear on this. So the, the surgeries or the medical experiences that you had had in the past, because yeah. you said there were other things that happened before this car yes. accident and pronounced dead and yes. whatnot. What, I mean, what sort of procedures did you had had in the past, and were those not successful? Like, yeah, I'm just trying to get a... A gauge on what had happened. Yeah. Yeah, and what made you not do it this last right. time? Right, exactly. sounds like it's worse, and if, if it worked yeah. on the other ones, why did you yeah. change your mind on this yeah. one? I had a lot of lung problems. I was born in, the, born in this life. Like at the age of two, my lung problems started to you know, manifest. Mm. So from the age of two all the way through to 31, I was constantly being challenged with these lung issues. So around that, I've had two major lung surgeries. Mm. Uh, around that, I've had pneumonia three different times during this period of time twice where I was hospitalized, ICU, hanging on for my life. And so in the last time it happened, which was when I was 31, um, you know, I had two two top doctors. I I had gone unconscious. I had an attack. Uh, I got unconscious. I regained conscious four days later. I was in the ICU unit, and the two doctors were at the end of my bed, and then they announced to me what they had kind of uncovered. And they said, you've got more problems than just lung problems. Now you've got a serious issue we don't understand. Your body's deteriorating from the inside out. Well, of course, what had happened, I'd, at that point, I put so many drugs in my body from the age of 2 to the age of 31. Um, I had now toxemia. Mm-hmm. And my body was eating itself on the inside out. And so... So some of these problems were actually caused by what was supposedly the fix to the problems. Yeah, or at least it most certainly contributed to it greatly yeah. and so so now they're telling me that there's nothing they can do for me because they don't know what to do with this and they basically tell me you know to start settling in for my death because they did not see mm-hmm. any light at the end of the tunnel mm. and so at that point i just i asked them to leave the room and i hung out for a couple more days until they got the needles out of me and i that's when i made that vow that you know what I mean, just I, never again. I've trusted you guys. I've I've respected you for all these years, and then here I am at the age of thirty-one, and you're telling me that there's nothing more you can do, mm-hmm. and I'm going to die. And so that was my first crossroads. That was the yeah. first fork in the road. So me. what did you do though at that point? I mean, the thirty-one to how old were you when you had the accident that that ended your life basically? Oh, again? well, that was another twenty-five years ago. So that was uh, um, I was what was I? So there was about 20 years between the oh, yeah. accident at, and that. At least 20 years. At least 20 years. At least 20 years. So what did you do to heal yourself then? Because the obviously, if, part. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the doctors are saying, hey, this is pretty messed up. You yeah. need to do X, Y, and Z, although we don't really know what X, Y, and Z is. Yeah. Uh, how did you heal yourself through that? Yeah. Good question. So what happened now in the next year or so, everything was pretty intense because I was getting sicker now. And uh, with no help. So, again, this is around 31, 32, 31 after you left the hospital, 32. after you said, you know, I'm not taking your treatments anymore. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. So uh, at some point, um, I was in a conversation with somebody, and they were they were talking to me about fasting, and uh, so it just got my attention. Always, sometimes when somebody says something, just resonates with mm-hmm. you, it rings true, and I, I have no idea what fasting is, but you know what? I need to explore this. So I got it from the conversation. That's what I did, and shortly thereafter, I found a program that could go on a fourteen day fast, Oy. which was my very first <laughs> fast. Yikes! And so I go on the fast. Um, and within two days, my body just rank. I mean, it reeked with just horrible smell. Uh, it was, was coming working. to my pores. It was working. And to the point where at the time our office, you know, we had a big team around us and, uh, I had to go home three, four times a day over the next two weeks to shower. Cause I mean, the smell was so rancid. And of course, all those toxins were coming out of my pores. Well, I, I made it through the 14 days. It was the first time I ever experienced that before. Is this just like a water-only yeah. type fast, or no, is it like a no, vegetable juice? No, or? this was more of a nutritional fast with a company uh, that I had, had found. It was a detox, and it just resonated with me. And I thought, oh, what have I got to lose? I'm going to mm-hmm. die anyway. So, But it wasn't like, like a complete no-food-type fast it was just more of a detox based on what they think you should be taking during those days yes yeah yeah at that time so then anyhow i came off that fast and then i started fasting on a more frequent basis like three days four days seven days so on for the next two years Mm. but i was still getting sick uh clearly i was kind of all the while you're you have an actual company all the while you were the one being ostensibly the the sole breadwinner for that company i mean you're the face of that company and you're out doing these Events, seminars, yeah, seminars and coaching programs. I just don't know how you did it. I That's mean, it's all consuming yeah. when you are told you're pretty much dying from the inside out, yeah. and you're like, okay, I need to go to work, yeah. and then I need to figure out how to get myself better. And doing yeah. that, I just mind blowing. A couple of my dearest friends are natural doctors, oh, and yeah. they know me for a long time, and and uh, many times independently of each because they don't know each other. Uh, but they've often said they just have never met anybody with the, the amount of willpower because they've seen me encounter things like this, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any sense. Like the person should be bedridden. The person should be just stripped of their power kind of thing. How can they still function in the world? But somehow, some way, I was able to, I mean, not function optimally, that's sure. clearly, but I was able to option or uh, you know function to the point where at least I was still able to make money, pay the bills, you know, I did go into debt. I went into debt a couple of times. One time was the time when I'm talking about when I was 31 years of age. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, but the question was, how did I ultimately heal myself? So it started off with this 14-day fast. And then over the next couple of years, they were short little fasts, but it wasn't doing it. And then um, a couple of years later, uh, I'm a real avid dreamer at night. I'm a shamanic dreamer, if mm. you know what that is. So I work with people in the dream space. I professionally interpret people's dreams and so on and so forth. And and so, anyhow, Remind I... Remind me to tell you about the dream my wife had last night. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> yes. Please do. I know exactly what it means, but yeah. I definitely want yeah. your interpretation yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> please do. Yeah. Uh, so, anyhow, uh, one night I get a dream, and if you know who St. Germain is... I get this St. Germain shows up in my dream, and I'm very clear at St. Germain. He introduces himself as St. Germain. St. Germain? What is his... He, it's like a saint. You should it's know It's a saint, this. yeah. Yeah, he, he's like an ascended master, and sometimes, and since then, I've, I've learned that other people, sometimes he'll come to, sometimes in their dream space or their meditation space, and he, usually when he comes, he'll always have a, some kind of a message, some kind of a message, and I know for me, 
the couple times that he's shown it for me, the message that he's given me, as long as I follow through on that message, everything's worked like magic for me. Is this, nice. like, a, is this so, like a dude in a robe kind of thing? Is kind that... of do it like, a, like in the robe kind All right. of thing. Just to I'll give you my address and yeah. you can have him come over. <laughs> go see Mary. Yeah, see Mary wants to see you. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, so, 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 comes, so he shows up and yeah. the message was, Dale, it's now time to fast. And because I had fasted before, I knew what that meant. Mm. So I woke, I, and it was really profound. It was one of those things where just there's no way I could ignore it. And so I woke up that morning, and all morning long until lunchtime, what would constantly come out of my mouth, it's now time to fast. It's now time to fast. So by noontime that day, I said, that's it. Okay, I'll fast. How long? Five days. I'd already done 14 days, so I felt pretty confident I could do five days. Wait, he came back and told you five days? No, no, it just it came to me. It Your came intuition. It, it just kind of yeah. came yeah. to me, just like an intuition, five days. So, okay, so I signed up right away, and I went on a juice fast for five days. I'm now on the fifth day. We're out in New Jersey. We're at a, a, a transformational seminar. Again, at, something you were leading. No, I, I was participating in somebody else's event. You're an, you're an attendee at this Yes, one. I okay. was an at- attendee. And so... Uh, on day f- on the first day, we're doing an exercise, and I go off into this altered state. And in this altered state, I get the next answer: I'm to fast for forty days. Four zero. Four zero. Right wow. there with Jesus, <laughs> kind of thing. Head out into the yeah, desert, kind of, and that's exactly what happened. And so I come out of the experience, and the first word, because, again, I'm in a full and altered state. See, I would want one of those guys who comes to tell me, like, you need to eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> like, you know, like, so this is what you're going to get. Okay? Yeah, like, that's, that's the kind of message I yeah. want, you know? Fast for 40 days. No. Well, you send me somebody else with a different message. Uh, that's not a dream. That's a fantasy. <laughs> that's a fantasy. Yeah, there you go. At least for those of us that love chocolate. Yeah. So but 40 days? 40 days. So oh I come God. out of it, and I was so determined. I knew that I knew I was to go on Wait, 40 I have days. to ask this question so are you like financially independent are you you're you're pulling into you're going into debt like i mean you get that at message time, you're like i can't take 40 days off man like you know like at how? the time i'm just getting by but i have enough going on to be able to support myself barely yeah during this phase because you're about what 40 then at this point or older? i was 30 i was okay. in my late 30s yeah. i would have been 36 37 somewhere around there and those are prime breadwinning yeah. yeah. years yeah. right oh yeah so yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so 40 days. So I, I end up in the 40-day fast, and that was a juice fast coupled with – some days it was straight juice, other days it was straight water, other days it was just breathing, just breathing air. What? Yeah. And every day I would check in, and I would get the message on what I was to do for that day. As long as I did it for that day, everything was fine. The couple days that I veered off, I ended up in tremendous pain, buckled over on the floor. Wow. And so anyhow, and I, I wasn't at some point inspired to go out in the desert. It was the last seven days of the fast, and so I went out in the desert, and I spent seven days, and I'm on the eve of the 39th day that night, coming into the 40th day. I'm excited. It's over. I'm down to like 115 pounds at this oh, point. Oh, God. And, dreaming uh, of a burger. And so you're right, you're right. <laughs> dreaming of a burger. And then I get the message I'm to go even further, only this time I'm to, cut, I'm to drop all the juice, and I'm just go straight breatharism, only breathe. And so, how many days? For yeah. another nine days. I, I, nine days of breathing. So, so the fast ended up being forty-nine days. And what happened at times? I thought it was more of a spiritual thing. I don't know as it was so much spiritual, even though I had a lot of visions during that time mm-hmm. uh, um, that that I've journaled and at some point hallucinations, yeah, yeah, all right. that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I'll possibly write on it. I don't know. But the thing that it did do, and this comes back to answering your question: What did I do to heal myself? is I realized when I came off of that fast 49 days later, 
I was maybe now a month or so after, and I realized the fast, the 49 days, saved my life. Because what happened, my body became pure. Mm. All that toxicity was completely dissolved. Completely dissolved. I was completely pure. Now, I wasn't able to hold it long. It only took about three or four weeks, and all of a sudden I could feel some stuff coming back on again, only because I was starting to move back to my old diet, you know. But it saved my life, and it jump-started everything. It, it gave mm-hmm. me another blank check on yeah. life is what it did. And so you were then able to dig back into your work, you do more teaching. Uh, obviously, you've, you've written a book, but this sound, some of this stuff came later after the next major accident. I mean, at yeah. some point, do you ever throw your hands up and just kind of go, why me? Like, Oh, yeah. I mean... Oh, Steve. I mean, I've had moments where the, the darkness was so dark. I bet. The depression was so heavy. I bet. That I didn't know if I could go, you know, another hour. Do you do you have a sense of why you? Like, seriously. Well, uh, I, I do to some degree. I don't... I, I wouldn't say to the full, fullest degree just yet, at least. Um, but the area that I've noticed where it's played in such a positive way the most is through my teaching. So mm-hmm. when I go through these experiences that come out on the other side, there's clearly a difference. The way I teach, what I'm teaching, how I'm helping people, the impact it has on them. I see the changes, how quick they go through the changes, uh, how um, uh, dialed in they are kind of to this, like they want more yeah. because they feel safer in my presence, like I'm, I'm less wavering. So no matter what happens for them as they're going through some kind of a process, say in my seminars or one of my events, they do, I, often people always say, "Just I don't know what it is about him. I just feel so safe around him. When I'm around him, I feel like I can go through anything and it's not going to go chaotic. Mm-hmm. It's not going to derail. Well, I think that p- could yeah. possibly come from the fact that you've been through everything and tremendous physical agony, the emotional, mental toll that took. Yeah. Um, when you go through that kind of stuff, everything else is like, you're, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. pl- you know what I mean? So it keeps you calm in their presence. Well, plus when you're teaching, people want to connect in, like, no one wants to learn the lesson from the billionaire son of how to be a billionaire. Well said. Right? Because it's like, oh, yeah, well, you're supposed to be. Like, big deal. They want to hear someone who went through the pain, who went through the muck and got out of the muck. They got the stories, the real life. There's a bond of, you know, it's not the exact same thing. They didn't get in the car crash. They didn't have the same toxicity. But they see someone who went through a pain and a struggle and came out. Yes. And I would say and, and came out with golden nuggets, with universal truths that then can be shared with others to perhaps help their lives become a little easier, mm-hmm. move so, a little faster. So the focus yeah. of the seminars, and, and are you still doing this work now, or are you doing something completely different now? Like, mm, what what work were you, like, someone would come to a seminar, they would come to a seminar for personal development, that sort of thing, right? And yes. has that changed at all? Has your, has your modalities or your technologies changed, or are you still doing pretty much what you've been doing then for the last 30-odd years? Oh, it's constantly changed. It, it's changed like uh, anybody that knows me really well, especially, you know, my students have been around me now for 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were here, they will all tell you the same thing. One of the reasons why they keep on coming back, they're so inspired because every time they come back, they see another change in me. They see another change in the teachings, what I'm sharing and the power of that, mm-hmm. how it impacts them. And so because it's coming from the inside out, right? So and just like you said, Richard, you know, there's a real difference between, you know, being the billionaire son 
versus being the one who starts off in poverty and then becomes a billionaire, mm-hmm. yeah. right? It's just like two different, not that one's better than the other, I suppose, but, but they're very different. And then us as a student, if we want to move in those directions, the beauty here is we get to decide, well, who do we want to teach us, mm-hmm. right? Who do we want to, because there's lots of teachers out yeah. there. So my programs have just constantly evolved, evolved, and now we're looking at, you know, we're not looking at, we've begun the process where we're going to create a university or an academy online with all of my teachings, uh, my different classes, we're recategorizing them in our new model that we're currently creating um, and getting ready to really officially launch come the new year, come 2019 with everything. So I'm intrigued still. So you're doing these classes, you're doing this work, you've been through various procedures and then all of a sudden you get this calling to say, take a sabbatical. This is after all this, before the car crash. Yeah, but I, but I didn't take the sabbatical yeah. before the car and crash. So what I'm wondering is, like, I'm trying to think of how to word it, but it seems like... You listened to everything else, but you didn't listen yeah, to that. Like, well, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, like, every time I hear some sort of struggle, it almost always seems like the struggles are either relationships, money, or health. Yeah. And... Because they're the things that get your attention the fastest, yes, right? Yes, It's also in the world of marketing, like yes. we talk about, get me laid, get me paid, yes. help me look good. <laughs> but um, yeah. so it's the one people want, they see the, you know, you talk about spirituality, there's no real measurement of how spiritual you are. Yes. There's a measurement of how healthy you are. Yes. There's a measurement of, do you have good relationships around you? There's yeah. a measurement of how much money's in your bank account. But some of those other ones are hard to have measurements. Yeah. So when you hear this, and you've had all these things that you've listened in the past, mm-hmm. and then... You, it's healed you, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're told to take a sabbatical. Were you too focused on the money at the time, or what was it that kept you from taking that sabbatical after trusting yourself and getting through so much prior? I think I was too caught up in just how much I had going on. You know, I mean, I was doing a seminar every weekend somewhere. Um, Take a listener. Uh, you know, time. I mean, it was just nonstop. <laughs> I don't hear you. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, this is marathons I've, over here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, well, and, and I've seen him speak, and I've seen him teach. He's amazing at what he does as well. And uh, but you know, I've been doing this for forty years. I celebrated my fortieth year this year since I gave my first five day class. And so, and I, in in this forty years, I've done thousands of seminars for all kinds of people, all kinds of situations, different organizations, the general, just on and on and on. So I do know a fair amount about this. Um, and for me, I, I, I was like one of those who I've also seen some of my other speaker friends who also got caught up in it. Now they didn't have the same extreme situation that I ultimately did. Um, but I got caught up in just the busyness. Like it was almost like how many seminars should I get in my calendar instead of like, Mm. whoa, slow it down. Like even right now we're scheduling and like, no, 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 no. The law of momentum plays itself out in many ways, doesn't it? It does. Yes, exactly. And so... You know, that was another powerful lesson for me. And I just, I got hooked in. And, you know, and I'm like you guys, I'm all about service. I'm all about making a difference in people's lives. I, so I'm I, just trying to understand that what was yeah. like, mm, you said you kind of started out with the Kool-Aid stands, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. let me make some money, this, that, and the other. And at some point you made this this shift into teaching. Were you ever formally trained? Was there like a particular teacher who, you know, you were like, oh, my God, I got to go to this seminar. You went to that seminar, and then you were like, wow. I Like, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar, and I got so fired up, and now I want to help people, and I want to do that. Was there that sort of turning point for you, and were you ever formally trained to do what you do? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, there was a teacher, Bob Proctor, 
sure. ended up in one of his seminars in the summer of 1978. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, followed him around. I was in pretty much every seminar he did in Western Canada at the time. It's mm-hmm. Originally, well, we were both from Canada. Your, your sorry kind of gave it away earlier, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I heard it too. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. And so, uh, but that's how it started for me. And I was just, I was so enamored with Bob. I mean, I love, I still do to this day. And um, I was like, I couldn't get enough. And But I also, I was in recognition, like, that's what I'm to be doing. That's what mm-hmm. I'm to be doing. That's, yeah. that's what I'm to be doing. I had no idea how. And in the answer to the next question, have I had any training? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. In fact, now I train teachers. I train consultants. I train coaches. Um, you know, with all I, these coaches no out there and everything that's going on, I mean, like, the, I think the people that have got to be the most pissed off are like the formerly trained psychologists and psychiatrists and social workers and like those sort of people because they've, you know, they go to school to like specifically yeah. do that and help people and coach people. And then there's this whole industry of folks who have no formal training at all that, in a lot of ways, are better at what they do than those who have been formally trained to do what that whole industry does. Oh, so it's- but I think there's a good number of people that coach based on their life circumstances yes. and what they've learned from it and how they've come through it and they've developed their $1,000 entry level, you know. The $1,000 funnel? <laughs> yeah. The $1,000 funnel? Yeah. $1,000 funnel? But yes. You would not be who you are today without having gone listening and then not listening and then getting pretty much smacked down. Yes. yes. And so... It's your duty and obligation to put all of that into service. Yes, I agree. And it's so, okay to get paid for it. Yes, it sure is. For it sure. sure is. For sure. Yeah. So is there something in what ends up happening here? I mean, I've obviously, I mean, everything that you've been through, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's yes. kind of hard to, to sit here I, and, and I feel sorry for you, although it's like so easy to feel sorry. Would, would yeah. you be doing the powerful work that you're doing? If you hadn't been going through that and then the work that you're doing now is as a result of all of that, right? So on one hand, it's just like, man, you know, just, God, I can't believe you went through that. I'm so sorry you went through that. But on the other hand, it's like, great, now help us, right? Yes. Like, so yeah. is there something that you can step us through in some sort of like, I don't know, is there like a, a quick sort of Dale exercise or anything that you're known for that you want to share with us that the listeners can maybe practice as well and, and maybe we can do something here while you're here and it just that kind of really taps into your your genius and the way that you help people yeah one of the things that i do and i become known for is how to tap in or dial into what i call unconscious resistance okay Uh, unconscious resistance is trapped or held in the subconscious body so the subconscious body there's entry points into the subconscious through the physical body and there are three of them one is through the throat area two is through the center of the chest and three is in the solar plexus area and so when somebody's in unconscious resistance, an unconscious resistance would be like resistance. So there's someone or something in their life that they're already resisting. Mm-hmm. I call it unconscious because they're not aware that that's what they're doing because if they were aware, they probably would want to clear up that resistance because mm-hmm. the resistance is not serving them. So, for example, they might be unconsciously resisting an uncomfortable conversation with their wife, with their husband, with their best friend, with their business partner, even with one of their clients. Sure. Right? And they, But they're not aware of it. So ne- next thing you know... If they just slow it down a little bit, they'll notice that they're starting to avoid the telephone. Or when they see the person calling, they'll avoid the call. Uh, Or they know they should reach out to this person, but they don't. They come up with something else to do instead. Mm -hmm. It's clearly the behavior now is showing that they're in unconscious resistance. 
there's something about that conversation that's activating some kind of a fear or insecurity with inside of themselves that they're still not fully aware of or not fully conscious of. So um, this is where I start with pretty much all my work uh, because what I've recognized with all the people I work with, whenever we go there, nine times out of ten, everybody's in some form of unconscious resistance. And then it's brought to their attention. Then I give you the tool on how to clear it. You clear it, and all of whoa, that was easy. That was fast. I already feel better. I feel different. Yeah. And next thing you know, you feel a little more empowered to be able to step into the very thing that you've been avoiding, been resisting, been procrastinating on. Um, or it can also be something that, uh, uh, you know, say one of our issues from our past, one of our unresolved issues. Let's say we have an unresolved issue of anger towards somebody that hurt us way back when. Um, or maybe we lost somebody due to, to death and we didn't grieve that process properly. Mm-hmm. So now all that grief is stuck inside of us. And now we're re- unconsciously resisting the grief because, you know, grief doesn't feel good. Mm-mm. No matter how you cut it, when you're processing that stuff, it doesn't feel good. It's like when you're processing your anger, it doesn't feel good. Any of this stuff, it never feels good, right? In fact, one of the things I say in my book, you know, I talk about the world of the uncomfortable. And we've got to get a good relationship going, a conscious relationship going with the world of uncomfortable. So, you know, all of us are entrepreneurs, and we all know how important that is, yeah. that if you're going to advance your business, you've got to get a handle on this thing. If, if you're going for a comfort zone, you're not going to get to the next base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to embrace that of which is uncomfortable and recognize that that's part of the process mm-hmm. to evolve to that next step, right? So it's the same thing healing-wise. Uh, only, only what we do or what I teach people how to do is how to use their body. So transformationally-wise, uh, one of the things I often say is that your body is one of your best transformational tools. And the reason why I say that is because the body never lies. The body will always tell us what's going on inside of you. Yeah. Always. Always. And so, and I've become very skilled in this area, partly because of what I went through with my body. I was almost like forced into having to learn how to do this because I didn't have any teachers at the time because they didn't know this at the time, how to access this in this way and how to then really change it, how to really up-level so it. So is there something we can do here? Because we're going to, I want to give you a chance, obviously, just to talk briefly about the, the book and where people can get more information about that. But is there, is there something that you can... Step us through yeah. and uh, sure. So, so just, as, just as you're sitting there, just place your awareness on this part of your body, your throat so that's area. That's like your throat? Okay. Yeah, just your throat area. And we're just, just, just check and see what's going on there. Is it loose? Is it fluid? Is it relaxed? Or might it be tight or tense? Mm-hmm. And if you recognize some tight or tense energy, just be aware of it for right now. Just you know, make a mental note of it. And then bring your attention down to the center of your chest. Place your attention in the center of your chest. What's going on there? Are you relaxed, loose, fluid? That's where we want to be. But should you discover tight or tense energy there, a contraction, what that's doing, that's letting you know that you're already in unconscious resistance. Mm -hmm. Something's going on in your world either inside, something's coming up from within, or something's coming at you from without that you're already in resistance around. Mm -hmm. Right? So if it's there, just be aware of it, and then bring your attention down to your solar plexus. What's going on there? Tight, tense, or possibly loose, fluid, relaxed. Once again, the whole objective here is you want to be relaxed in all three of these areas. The more relaxed you are in these three areas, the more effective you become, especially when you're really focused, when you give your mind that clear direction of what it is you want to accomplish here today. Right? So now that resistance, if it's tight or tense, did, did you experience any tight or tense energy in your body or notice it? It's it's interesting you bring this up because about a week ago I did in my neck and I've been doing a lot with it 
mm-hmm. and I don't right now as much. Mm-hmm. Um, a teeny bit in the solar plexus is pretty much the only place I felt it today while oh. we just did that. Okay, so what that is, there's a direct connection between here the solar in plexus. the base of your solar plexus and the base of your neck. Mm-hmm. So many times what's going on in your neck, it's being caused from down here in the base of your solar plexus. Mm. So if I was to work with you, I don't know if we have time or on air, maybe after the show, I'd be happy to, yeah. it, if you want, Richard. Uh, but, if, it, but if you want, then this is what we're going to go after, what's in your solar plexus. And then you'll see how that'll just lighten things up in your neck. Mm. Mm, that's Sounds cool. Good. Yeah. So we are running out of time. Yes, we are. But I did want to go back to something you kind of glossed over, yes. the mm-hmm. dying in the car. Um, oh, there was that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was that. Did yeah. you get a message during that 90-second unconscious time period? Uh, yeah, I got a few messages uh, during that time. And one of them, probably the most significant was, is that this is either going to uh, push me off of the face of this earth or I'm going to heal myself all the way. I'm going to go the distance. Okay. And I realized later, because I had come to a fork in the road in my life at that point, and this was, again, another fork in the road, what would I choose? Would I choose to allow my broken body now take me out? Because I came really close, obviously. Uh, Or would I choose to really learn how to heal myself naturally and go the distance this time? Mm-hmm. But it's easier to hear that part of the story after we have the back context now. Sure. You yes. healed yourself a few times prior. So yes. there was, even though it wasn't quite as much healing as you were about to take on, yes. you'd experienced that. And you also experienced with doctors your, I don't want to do it that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. let me just ask you uh, the question, because I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that when you, when you die, everything just goes black. Like there, there is no afterlife. Like we have the, we've had this conversation, and that's my you take are on it. Completely wrong. And I'm wrong. completely wrong. Yes, we're in America. I'm completely wrong. But you've been there. I have. So, do you have any recollection? Did it go black? Was there a choice? Was there a white light? Was there a tunnel? Was there a anything? Was it, what? What do you do? You rem- I mean, that's got to be a pretty profound thing if you remember yeah. something, or yeah. did it just go black and you woke up and you were like, "Oh my God, here I am." Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to preface this uh, one more. I've also helped people transition. I've helped at least a dozen people or more in my life transition to the other side at that point as they're approaching death. And we've always been very successful. The transition's been very smooth. Sometimes it's bumpy leading up to the actual transition. Yeah. So I, I in fact, it's going to be one of my books. I want to write a book on death because uh, I've had my own near-death experiences yeah. in this life. And so what happens when it goes black, what that is, is fear. Fear that's deeply rooted within the subconscious, it activates most people are terrified of dying. It's not actually so much they're terrified of dying. They're more terrified of the process of dying because mm-hmm. they're going to have to give up control. They're going to have to completely surrender in order to make a smooth transition, mm-hmm. right? And if you look at most people, most people have a difficult time surrendering. For sure. It's one of the things I talk about in my book about letting go, surrendering, trusting. And I see this. Oh, it doesn't matter what city I'm in. It doesn't matter what state or country I'm in. Yeah. You see it over and over again. People struggle with this until they no longer struggle. They learn how to do it. And so black usually represents fear. It's deep-rooted fear that has not been cleared. Um, you know, so like even for people that have a near death, sometimes they'll go black and then something will happen. They'll just, what the heck? And they surrender. Mm-hmm. They surrender and then it goes light. And next thing you know, they're moving through some kind of a tunnel. They're moving to, towards what is often called this warm place, this warm, inviting place. The mm-hmm. love is so 
beautifully intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel just so surrounded with this love and this warmth, and you're just like, this is my home. Yeah. I don't even want to go back. And then sometimes they have that, yeah. you know, fork, again, fork in the road. No, they do come back and so on and so forth, and then they tell their story. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, let's, let's do this. I want to make sure that people have an, under, uh, an understanding of the work that you're doing now, how they can get in touch with you, and so on. So the book is called Being Called to Change. Yes. So the, uh, just talk uh, briefly about the book, and then if people want more information about you, where is the best place for them to go? Uh, Being Called to Change is uh, a, a book on um, helping you to better recognize when you're actually being called to change in your own life. Uh, deep inside of us, our soul, our soul has signed up to make changes. Um, what often happens, though, with most of us, including myself way back when, is we resist these changes like the plague. Yeah. And in many cases, we're not even aware of it. Again, that unconscious resistance. And yet, once you start to tap into this and you bring your life into alignment with it and you see your life as the vehicle in which your soul can really make these changes. This becomes the game changer. This enriches you in levels that are just so beautiful, so just so beautiful, so expansive. And so in the book, uh, you know, I help people to recognize when it's time to change and how to recognize that call, how to recognize that call, and then more importantly, what to do with that call, Mm -hmm. what to do with it, and then how to do things like check for your resistance because your resistance, if there's any part of you that will get in the way, it will be your ego, and it will use your resistance to block the change from happening. Mm -hmm. And then lastly in the book, I'd say that it, it really taps into a big problem that I see over and over again. And that has to do with this ability to be able to let go of those things, those experiences, those projects, those relationships that are yeah. no longer serving us. And some cases, in some cases, are downright not even working. All right, let's do this just because we're running out of time. So it's Dale Halloway, H-A-L-A-W-A-Y. So Dale, D-A-L-E, Halloway.com. They can go there, yes? Yes, and, they can go there and yep. get a free chapter for the book, too. There you go. Want. So Being Called to Change is the book. Dale Halloway, thanks so much for joining us today. From Mary Goulet, for Richie Ote, White Wade. And Steve Olsher, we'll talk to you guys really, really soon. Take care, everybody. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. You were born to do one amazing thing, but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is. If you're in a job you don't like or are unemployed, if you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, then the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Olsher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped so many people get on the right path and clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step to realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting thereinventionworkshop.com today. No more delays. No more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to thereinventionworkshop.com today. That's thereinventionworkshop.com.